From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 402, for the week of February 8th, 2015. The Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan a perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone, welcome to the show. I am your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by my good friends Nancy Johnson and Mary Jo Malata Willie. And in this segment, Mary Jo takes a day six drive to Sequoia National Park. You're back in my backyard, Mary Jo. I am. I am. Well, kind of, sort of. Depends how we get to the yeah, park. A little south. Yeah, so My backyard is Kings Canyon and they're just like, what, they're neighbors. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And actually, I think we end up going through through part of Sequoia to get to the part of Kings Canyon that we want to go to. So it's just like... Well, from your home, you're actually going to go to Kings Canyon before no, you get to Sequoia do, from your right, house. There's there's a little part. There's like a little... You take the peninsula back... Peninsula of Sequoia that, go, that butts up into it or something because the road goes... Because I remember seeing Sequoia and then you're back to Kings Canyon. Oh, it's just weird. very cool. Yeah. So how how many times like have great, you gone? Great. Um, not recently, but when I was a kid, we went quite a bit up to like Grants Grove and things mm-hmm. like that, up into Kings Canyon. Nice. How about you, Nancy? Have you ever been? Uh, no. The only thing I can contribute is the fact that our old home phone number used to be most of the digits of Sequoia National Park's phone number. <laughs> if you nice. lived in the eight one eight area code and you forgot to dial a one. This is before they required the 818. Um. <laughs> I would have had yeah, so much fun Yeah, we had a lot of phone calls. <laughs> very, very nice. Well, it's one of the it's one of my goals to take you and, and the girls up there for a weekend. So I know. I really want to go. I think we went, th- went there as when I was a child. But, you know, when mm-hmm. you're six, you don't remember all of those things. Yep. In a nutshell, in a nutshell, how would Kings Canyon differ from Sequoia? What benefits would I gain from by going to Sequoia instead of Kings Canyon. Sequoia has, and I and I'll talk more about it in in my segment. But Sequoia has one of the most beautiful areas I think in the Sierra Nevada. Plus, it's home to the largest living thing in the world, the General Sherman tree. So that's the only place you're going to find it, as well as then, some other then places. Maybe, then maybe we then maybe we do to go to Sequoia because we do do see the General General Sherman. So. Okay, so that is. That is Sequoia. So um, let me let me go back. You know, I did the segment on, Sequo- on Yosemite, and I tell a lot of people that that is my favorite place in the world. The place I would like to be on the last day, my last day on Earth. But, I'll, you know, a lot of people do go to Yosemite. And they're looking at park visitors. We're talking close to 4 million people a year go to Yosemite. So depending, if you go there during the summertime, you can expect... Near LA conditions in the valley sometimes, especially with cars, etc. On the other hand, Sequoia averages about one million people, and Sequoia is larger than Yosemite. So, um, remember, I told you there was this great big flood in 1997 in Yosemite. After that happened, when it wiped out some of the camping uh, campsites, I found it really difficult to get accommodations there. So. I said, okay, well, I have to go camping, and I want to go to the, to the Sierras, so I turned my eye to Sequoia National Park. 
And I've been taking my family on camping trips there since 1996. And the kids were probably like seven and eight at that, that time. And we actually did two week camping trips, tent camping. So, um, I have a lot of experience going to the park and I do enjoy going there a lot. So let me tell you about it. Sequoia National Park was established on September 25th, 1890. It's, the park itself is 404,000 acres, a little bit larger. And together with Kings Canyon, like Tom and I were saying, they're right next to each other. It comprises 865, 952 acres. I'm sorry, 865,952 acres. And in comparison, Yosemite is 761,266 acres. So this is America's second oldest park. And the area that we think of as Sequoia, it's really comprised of two national parks, which are Sequoia and Kings Canyon, like Tom and I were talking about. And in between the two of them, there's Sequoia National Forest. Um, they're connected by the General's Highway, which runs along, which runs through it. And the difference between a national park and a national forest is that a national park is truly preserved, kept as natural as possible. The, um, the government or our rangers won't step in, except if there's a huge fire. Of course, I'll put that out. But they let nature take its course. So remember I said in Yosemite that there was a lake that was being filled in now called Mirror Meadows. Same thing happens in Sequoia. All they want to do is maintain safety there for the visitors and keep it as natural. And you cannot, for instance, dogs are not allowed on the trails in the national parks. On the other hand, in the National Forest, they allow things like, um, control. well, it's run by the rangers also, but they allow things like controlled hunting. Uh, dogs are allowed on the trail. Um, there is logging there. They do have uh, ranches there. Sometimes when we're going from Sequoia to Kings Canyon, we'll see cattle crossing the road because they do have ranches in, in there and stuff. Other than those, you really can't tell the difference except for the signs that you're in a national forest or the national park when you're up on the road. And before Sequoia was claimed as a national park, it was home of the Western Mono Native Americans who had several tribes. And they have found about over 265 Native American sites that have been discovered and they're preserved in the parks. And which this site is really easily accessible on your way up to Sequoia National Park off of Highway 198. This is the southern entrance. So, Tom, you may not have gone on that particular highway. Oh, yeah. No, we wouldn't go that way. But this um, the this location is called Hospital Rock, and it's in the lower elevations. And I would say that Hospital Rock is probably a two-minute walk from the parking lot. So easy to get to, and it's literally right across the street from the parking lot in the picnic area. It was once the home to 500 Potwisha Native Americans, and it's believed that they settled there around 1350. So it's been settled for a long time. And they lived there until about the mid to late 1800s when they were pretty much wiped out by, what do you guys think? What wiped out a lot of our Native American? Uh, measles? Smallpox. Uh, you were close. close you, were, you were very close. Speaking of measles, did that? that's our Disneyland tie-in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, like I said, the site is at a lower elevation, and it was mainly used for the winter months for them to stay there. And the reason why it's called Hospital Rock is because uh, one of the earlier European settlers got hurt more than once, and he would go there, and the Native Americans would take care of him. 
And so he ended up calling it Hospital Rock. When you walk up to the rock, you go up these steps that are hewn into the rock and you see pictographs and the pictographs are really big and they're, they're not hidden at all. And I think it's so cool that nobody has destroyed them. And, um, they, they're there for anybody to see. Like I said, it's a two minute walk to see them. And in the area, they also have other evidence of Native Americans, like the bedrock mortars where they would grind the acorns into flour and other, um, exhibits that they actually point out where the, these, um, Native Americans used to live. And if you have some time when you're in the area, there's a very short trail that'll take you to the riverbank, which has a really nice watering hole to go swimming in and perfect for the hot summers. In the mid 1800s, the European settlers began staying in the area and they created their own unique settlements. One such settlement is called Tharp's Log, which I'll get into in a little bit. And have either of you have, did you go there, Tom, to Tharp's Log when you went to Sequoia? Uh, Okay. This is, this is one place I think that you should take Wes to. He would love it. Um, thanks to our Sierra friend, John Muir, the right attention was brought to these woodlands and Sequoia was named as a national park. And so they kicked out the ranchers, loggers, the shepherds, the people who were uh, pretty much destroying the meadows and, and the wood there. Um, preserving it for the rest of us to enjoy. Because back then, the loggers would come and they saw these huge sequoia trees and they thought, oh my gosh, there's all this wood. Well, sequoia is rag- rather fragile tree. And when they cut it and they fell, being as big and heavy as they were, they would splinter. So they were only good for fence posts, toothpicks, stuff like that, or, or campfires really, and not good for um, building ho- log cabins or anything like that. So we're really um, lucky that John Muir took such an interest in in getting the country to preserve this area for us. And as we said earlier, there are three sections to the parks. They can only be reached by the west. Um, they, when you're driving in a car, they can only be reached from the west. The southern entrance can be reached by taking the 5 freeway north, continuing on the 99. If you continue on the five, you're going to end up in San Francisco or off in the, the West cities. So, excuse me. So you take the 99 to the town of Visalia. Now, going from the LA area or the Disneyland area, two hours north is going to take us to Bakersfield. And Bakersfield is a great place to stop for breakfast, supplies. They have a huge Walmart there. Which I, uh, for some reason, even though I buy supplies when I go camping, I always have to stop there to get more supplies. So, you know, if I forgot what have you, they have it there. So it's really good. Plus groceries. But if you continue on, you get to Visalia and you get to Highway 198, which is the one I was telling Tom that you get to Hospital Rock. You take 198 due east, continue all the way to Sequoia. And I love driving early in the morning. As the sun is rising, I love getting there when the sun's rising because then you see the Sierras just against the, against the sunrise, which is just beautiful. And of course, you know, they get bigger and bigger as you get close. Driving on this 198, you will also have the opportunity to purchase, um, you go, to, they have ro- roadside stands, one large one where you can get local fruit, other produce, nuts, etc. And we always stop there and we always 
My kids laugh at me, all the California olives I buy from, from that place. <laughs> <laughs> One time Nick opened the refrigerator and he goes, Mom, we have six jars of olives and no other food in the refrigerator. And I was like, well, I, I like olives. So Central California is where all your fruit is grown. Yeah, and, and it's really good. So I, I always ask them which what fruit is local and what's not because I don't want to mm-hmm. purchase stuff that's been shipped from someplace else. Right, exactly. And they, they do, um, they're pretty open about telling you where it's at. I mean, which is the local fruit. So we get that to take with us when we go up into the mountains. You continue on. You're going to go, you're going to hit a huge lake, and this is called Kauai Lake, which has a dam at one end. A lot of people go there for boating. But when you get there, you will notice the um, effects of our multi-year drought. It's, um, the, the lake's pretty low right now, but it's, like I said, it's huge. So you go through, um, by Lake Kauai, you're going to go past Lemon Cove, a little town. And there's another town called Three Rivers. Three Rivers is right at the base of the Sierras. And this is going to be the last place where you can go to get gas. So I recommend that you fill up because the national parks do not have gas. And if you're not going to go into the national forest, which I'll name some places, make sure you have, you just want to be prepared. So you, um, Get your gas there, and pretty soon you'll notice that the road changes because you are no longer on the highway. You are now on the National Forest Road, and you'll the end. You'll get through that entrance at Sequoia. You'll notice it's very dry looking because you are in the foothills, and there's a visitor center right there. I recommend stopping at the visitor center not only because of the restrooms. When you stop in. In uh, Three Rivers to go to the, to get gas, et cetera, they will not allow you to use the restrooms there because they're so close to the river and they don't have good sewage system. So you'll need to stop at the visitor center to go to the restroom over there. And also you can do some shopping, et cetera. You leave the visitor center, continue your way up the road, and pretty soon you're going to see this huge, huge boulder looming out of the uh, the top of the mountain, and this is called Moro Rock, M-O-R-O, Moro Rock. Can't miss it. And I have taken so many pictures of Moro Rock on the way up just because it's so so stark and striking. 198 is a very windy road. This is a road that is not recommended for um, camper trailers over, over a, certain, um, that are a certain size. And they recommend that you enter through the north entrance if you do have, if you're pulling a trailer or you have a huge RV that's over a certain size. But if you have a small car or normal sized car like me, you can zip on up. And pretty soon you, the foothills, like I said, you're going to go past Hospital Rock, but you're also going to pass a turn off to a place called Mineral King. Do you guys know, does that ring a bell to any of you guys? Mineral King is yeah, the- that's isn't that the one that uh, Walt Disney had a uh, relationship with that he was doing some marketing. No. Ex- exactly, uh, Mineral King is where um, in the 1960s Walt Disney wanted to build a ski resort, and they wanted to develop that into their into their resort. And the preservationists had a fit. They made enough of a stink where they didn't let him do that, and they incorporated it as part of Sequoia National Park. Is it okay? We're going to, we're going to stop that. So if you want to, you can 
go off to Mineral King. I've never been there because I always want to get up to the top where the pine trees are and the sequoia trees are. So I haven't gone there myself. As you continue on 198, you're going to come to another turnoff and it goes to Crystal Cave. Now, Crystal Cave is a marble cave, which is uh, a modified limestone. When it's limestone is a lot looser, marble is a lot denser, but the Sierras in this area are riddled with these caves. And Crystal Cave is the second largest one. It's, I think, three, little over, almost three and a half miles long. And they have guided tours there. However, you do need reservations and you cannot make the reservations there. So don't make the mistake of driving, parking and walking down to, um, to get there because they'll just kick you back out. You need to make your reservations at the visitor center. So if this is something that you're interested in doing before you get up to the big trees, you want to go on the really nice, I, I do recommend this, this, um, tour. Then at the visitor center down below, you can get your tickets there for Crystal Cave. Now, when you go to Crystal Cave, you park at the top and it's a quarter mile down to the cave itself. So when I, it's a nice paved road, but it's a very steep road. So although it's accessible, you have to have a really strong person to push that wheelchair up if you're going to be doing that. Um, other than that, I do recommend it. There is poison oak in the area, so you have to be very careful that you don't go wandering off the trail or you may end up with a souvenir you really don't want when Aww. you go there. Yeah. And and a cool thing about Crystal Cave, when I took the kids camping, we went to Crystal Cave and they started a children's tour, only children. And Nick and Kelly were the first kids ever. They gave them little headlight headlamps and they had two tour guides. They were the only ones. And they told me that they loved it, and we went back the next year, and they had stopped it. So, so we were really lucky as far as timing was. But they got to do things that I they didn't do with the regular with the regular guests. So that was a pretty neat experience. And another cool thing is when you get to Crystal Cave, the entrance to the cave they have a huge spider web with a huge spider in the middle of it. No, I think it's just the spider web with no spider, which looks really cool. So. Um, going back up to the road, we're on 198 again, going back up. You go up into the mountains and you start seeing pine trees. Now you're seeing the more of the, what we consider the big forest to be like. And the trees get thicker, richer. This is when you want to roll down your windows and smell that beautiful pine smell. And all of a sudden you turn the, the corner and there's these four huge sequoia trees spanning the road. And these trees, they have them in calendars, etc. Um, I don't know the names of them. Every time I go through them, I have to drive very slowly, open my sunroof, and take a picture straight up looking into the sequoia trees. But they also have a turnoff where you can park your car and not annoy other people while you take your picture. So you can take pictures of the trees from either side of it. As you, um, right after that, you enter what's called Giant Forest. And from Visalia to Giant Forest, you're looking at probably almost two hours to get to the top where you're finally in the Sequoia Forest. Giant Forest is my favorite part of Sequoia. Um, it has its home to what's called um, Crescent Meadow, Morro Rock, the... Giant Forest Museum, and the General Sherman Tree. So I'll talk about each of those. Crescent Meadow, well, before I talk, well, no, I'll talk about Crescent Meadow, 
is exactly as it says. It's a meadow in the shape of a crescent. And it's really beautiful. What I like about it is you can take your cooler or something. They have bear boxes near there. Put your food in the bear box. They have some picnic tables where you can eat some nice restrooms over there. And they have what I call moderate trails. These are trails, excuse me, that are basically level. A little bit up and down, but it's not hiking. It's you could make, you could call it hiking, but it's really not. It's, you have a little bit of uphill, downhill, but you're not going hiking up a mountain. And there's probably three meadows that are tied to each other. They have good signs. And you get to another meadow from Crescent Meadows. Well, one of the things we like to do when we go to Crescent Meadows, we'll go, we'll take off one side and a sequoia tree has fallen across the meadow that spans the meadow. So you can go on the sequoia tree and walk from one end of the meadow to the other on top of the sequoia tree because they're huge and that's one of the things we like to do as you hike through this area or walk through this area um, one of the things you'll see is what they call the chimney tree this is a sequoia that's was ravaged by fire it's still standing so you have that red wood and the black charred interior and you can stand inside of it and again take pictures that I do recommend taking cameras when you go up here because there are so many cool things that uh, you'll want to take a picture of as you're hiking you come across this other this next meadow and this meadow has what's called Tharp's log now Tharp was one of the people um, earlier settlers who used he had sheep and he would go in the summers and take the sheep and live off the land over there. Well, what he did is he found a sequoia log and he made a home out of it. So just picture this. This is a tree that's fallen over, hollowed out. He cut a window in it with hinges that he propped open. He cut a door and you can look in it and you can see that he had a bed, a cooking area, um, and a chair and a whole living area that he had there inside just one log. So I, it's just so cool. So we usually go over there and we kind of picnic at that area, in the area. One of the coolest things I saw was we were there at Tharp's Log. And all of a sudden we saw this mama bear walking in the meadow. And behind her were two cubs jumping because the grass was so high they couldn't just walk. So they were jumping behind their mom. And she got to this log and climbed up it. And they climbed up after her. Luckily for us, it was on the other side of the meadow not on our side of the meadow so we didn't have to freak out or anything like that. but you will see uh not you will you can see bears and deer and lots of other animals in the area if you go early in the morning you're more likely to see them or in the evening also you can see them near crescent meadow there's a couple of other things that are cool there's what they call the auto log now Autolog is cooler for me than for you because I actually was able to drive my car on top of the log. And we have pictures of, of our car on top of the log. They stopped letting people do that because the wood was starting to deteriorate. And you can imagine with these hundreds of pounds that these cars are, they finally didn't allow people to park on there. But you can still go up on it and see where the cars could park. It's just like a stall. It's as big as a stall on top of this log. There's also what they call the tunnel tree. Now, when people think of the tunnel tree, they think a lot of times people will think of the Wawona tunnel tree that they have in Yosemite, which was a standing tree that people would drive through. This is a, another tree that has fallen. And so 
It's a log that spans the road and your car can go under it. And so that's neat. So you can choose to go under the tree and take pictures there too. There's also some other trees that you can um, park and walk to and do some hiking. In the area near Crescent Meadow, they also have Morro Rock. And this is the rock that I was talking about that you can see when you drive up from Highway 198. Morro Rock is big enough that you can hike to the top of it. And it's pretty much steps all the way to the top. And it's a quarter mile long. So it's it's doable. I would recommend that you take a lot of water when you go up there and you don't rush it. When you get to the top of Morro Rock, you have this view that's just beautiful. Now, if we didn't have smog in California, which we do, but if we didn't, you'd be able to see the coastal mountains from Morro Rock when you're up there. But we can't see them anymore. What you can see is the uh, the road that you drove up on. You can see part of the San Joaquin Valley. And on the other side, you can see the High Sierras over there. And they have what they call Castle Rocks and other peaks that are very interesting. If you happen to go to Morrow Rock on a full, uh, to Sequoia on a full moon night, or one of my favorite times to go is the second week in August when they have, um, the meteor showers. You, they have nighttime hikes to, with the rock, with a ranger that take you to the top of the rock where you can see the stars and, um, or watch, look for the, the shooting stars and stuff like that. That's something we haven't done yet, but it's on our bucket list. The Kelly and mine, we both like to go there and do that, this kind of stuff. Now that I've mentioned these two places, um, and the fact that there's a million visitors, if you do go during peak time, which is in the summer, they don't let you drive. I've, I've tried to even like go at eight in the morning where I thought before the shuttle started, but they, they wouldn't let me drive over there anymore. They now have free shuttles that take you to these areas. So you can park near the, um, giant forest museum. They have a huge parking lot. You can park there and you could take a shuttle to different places in the park. So you don't have to drive to them in, in giant forest. And so I would recommend taking your picnic, whatever, uh, picnic basket, uh, or cooler and putting it in one of the bear boxes and doing these different hikes and these different activities over there. I, I think it's well worth, especially Crescent Meadow, but also Morrow Rock is something that is worth doing at least once. We've done it a few times, but it's doing at least worth doing at least once. When you get back to the middle of Giant Forest, like I said, there's the Giant Forest Museum. Just like the visitor center in Yosemite Valley that tells a lot about the history about Yosemite Valley, this is where you're going to find the history of Sequoia and you're going to see a lot of artifacts and things that are going to help you appreciate this wonderful place that you're visiting. So I do recommend if you have some time to go to the Giant Forest Museum, especially if you're staying overnight over there or a couple of nights. As you continue along Giant Forest, um, driving, or by shuttle, you're going to get to a stop for the General Sherman tree. And like I said before, the General Sherman tree is the largest living thing on earth. It's not the tallest. Um, the tallest are the California redwoods, but it's the largest by volume. And this tree, the, uh, there's a, a limb, the, this, the largest limb, the diameter of the limb is six feet. 
So I'm five feet, so I can stand inside the limb if it was hollow and still put my hands above my head and not have to bend over or anything like that. That's the magnitude of this tree. There's, um, they don't allow you to go right up to it. You know, there's a little, there is a fence around it, but they let you get close enough to it so you can appreciate the, the grandness of it. It's 274 or almost 275 feet high and the circumference at the ground is 102 feet. The diameter in the, at the ground, the trunk is 36 feet. So this thing is huge. And the height of the first large branch above the base is 130 feet tall. So I, you know, this, this to me is a treasure that we have in our own backyard. I really think that it's well worth the effort to go and visit it at Jenner Sherman. Now, the thing is, is because they're protecting the forest. Remember I told you that the parks, they preserve the forest for everybody else. They changed the parking to the General Sherman. So parking's a little distance. You have to hike to the tree. And the trail is steep to get to the tree. And again, it's probably maybe a quarter mile. There's a lot of benches to stop. The trail is beautiful. And they have um, this place where you can go to, you see, it's kind of like an overlook where you can see the tree. And on the floor, if you look at it, they have measured out the diameter or the circumference of the tree at your feet. So you can actually get a good feel of just how big it is down at, at how big the tree is by measuring by walking or looking and, and you get that physical um, reference, which is good. Sequoia Park has also, National Park has also really been working hard to make the area accessible for people who are in wheelchairs and canes. So there is a stop for people um, who are in wheelchairs and they have an accessible stop and you can have a much more level trail, easier way to get to the tree. So everybody can visit the tree, which I think is a great idea. Those are the highlights in Giant Forest, which is, to me, one of the main places to visit in Sequoia National Park. After you visit Giant Forest, you can head on over, get on General um, General's Highway, and you continue along north, and you're going to go through Sequoia Forest, Sequoia National Forest, actually, and then you're going to come to, there's a, there's a couple of places. There's the Kings Canyon Overlook. So you'll see the sign that says Kings Canyon Overlook. And it's an, Kings Canyon is a little bit more reminiscent of Yosemite in that it's more rugged. So when you go to the Overlook, you see the high Sierras and you get a really good view of it. And it's a beautiful place to take more pictures and get that view. If you continue past that a little way, you're going to get a turnoff called, um, that's going to take you to a place called Hume Lake. And Hume Lake is probably my second favorite place in, in this area. We go here a lot. From Giant Forest to Hume Lake is going to take you about 45 minutes. And then once you get to the turnoff, it's a 10 mile, um, ride down the road to the lake itself. And it's 45 minutes from Giant Forest to the lake. So including that 10 mile drive. So um, the 10-mile drive takes you through the forest, and when you get to the lake, it used to be a mill lake where they would, when the loggers would 
cut the trees down, they'd float them down to the bottom, and they had this lake to, of course, fill the flume. After they stopped logging, they didn't drain the lake, they left it. And one of the cool things about it is since it's in the National Forest, there's a kind of like a settlement at one end, and it's a Christian camp. And even though it's a Christian camp, anybody can use the facilities there being that there's restrooms, there's a gas station, there's a little cafe over there, and a picnic area. So you can go buy hamburgers, hot dogs, sandwiches, whatever, and go eat them there by the um, by the lake in the picnic area. Another cool thing is that the Christian camp rents out rowboats, canoes, and kayaks. We tend to do this every time we go, and we'll rent kayaks. It used to be ro- it used to be canoes uh, when my kids were smaller, or rowboats. But now that everybody can go take their own, we take the kayaks and everybody gets out there. Kids have to have a backpack. And um, the one of the cool things is that the kayaks, if they do tip over, they float. So you just turn them back over and climb back in them. And that's actually happened to my son and to my cousin where she uh, <laughs> she was trying to go quick and fast in the kayak and she tipped over and all I saw in slow motion was the kayak tip over and her butt in the air as she went into the water. So, um, but everything worked out okay. The kayaks are a nominal charge. It's t- I, if it's for the longest time, it's been $5 an hour. It's really cheap to go on there and you can kayak to this big rock. We do this often. We'll kayak over to the edge of the edge of the lake and the kids will climb to the top of the rock and jump in the water, which is, uh, they have a lot of fun doing that. So you, you can kayak around the lake. When you're done doing that, you can drive to another part of the lake, which is called Sandy Cove. Wonderful, wonderful place for a picnic. I've, I'll talk a little bit more I'll, later on. I'll talk a little bit more about that, but Sandy Cove itself, you park on top, you walk down to, it's a beach. It's a sandy beach. Figure like a lima bean. The lake's like in the shape of a lima bean. And where the inside curve is, that's where the river comes down to feed the lake. Where the river comes down to feed the lake, they've uh, sectioned off that area so that there's no boats, no fishing. There's only swimming in that area. There's a couple of submerged, not submerged, like floating pieces of logs where kids, can, you can go up and do a... Uh, sit on the log or some people try to stand and and make it spin and stuff like that what i love about this is the fact that the the be- there's sand there in the beach to sunbathe and there's also pine trees for shade people take their because this is the national forest people do take their dogs there uh, everybody's pretty respectful it's a great place to have a picnic it's a great place to go when it's sunny and because the water's not really deep there it's relatively warm for Sierra water. Sierra water, you know, usually comes from the, from the snowpack and it's really cold, but that water is pretty bearable. We tend to go there two or three times when we go camping just because it's so much fun. And that's Sandy Cove at Hume Lake. So we leave Hume Lake, we go back up to General's Highway, continue north, and here is where we're going to come to um, the intersection for the 180. Now, the 180 is where Tom would come into Sequoia if he comes in on the big highway. The, exactly. Right? Yep. This is um, 
coming from Fresno, you would take the 180, which is a large, it's a, not large, it's a wide road. So big rig, not big rigs, um, big RVs can go on it. If you have, uh, trailers that you're hauling, you could take it with no problem. Um, and because it's a more, um, it's not so steep. It's the, the road to get to Kings Canyon from, from Fresno is going to take a little bit longer. When you go from Visalia to Giant Forest, it's a steeper road and you go, you're, you're up there in no time. This road seems to go forever through the foothills and everything. And they've actually um, expanded and, and extended 180. So it's, it's actually a nicer road than it was maybe 10 years ago as, as far as in, this, in the Fresno area. Yeah, well, all all the way up, it's a really nice road, right. and and like you said, Tom, that well, was pretty recent. Used to, in 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 the Fresno area, it was not a highway; it was just a road. Oh, so now it's a, now it's a highway out to almost all the way up to where where when you get out to the country, then it's then it's a two lane road. But um, all the way through Fresno, it's a highway now. So you take the the ninety nine. Uh, switch over to the 41, then catch the 180 all the way out. And the 41, you remember, is the way to Yosemite. So, right, exactly. it's, they're all they all intersect right there, and and it's a really it's a really nice and easy drive. Um, it's not as narrow either, like 198 is. So for people who are a little nervous nervous about um, driving up into the mountains, you might want to take the 180. When you get up to the top, you go to the left. And which is if you continue on the general's, uh, general, general's highway, when you go left and you're going to get to Kings Canyon and Kings Canyon has what they call Grant's Grove. Grant's Grove is, has, is another grove of sequoias. So Giant Forest is a huge grove of sequoias. Grant's Grove is another huge grove of sequoias and that's another really neat place. The trail there to, among the sequoias, it's more like walking than hiking because you're just meandering through these huge trees and you will see things like there's this one sequoia that is, it's, it's a log. And at one time it held cavalry. The cavalry held, had their horses. They had it as, as a, um, temporary barn or stable where they put their horses in. And so they show their horses up on top of the tree and also below the tree. So, and they have interesting names. The, I believe the National Christmas Tree is located there also at Grant's the, Grove. The, the General Grant is the nation's Christmas tree. Uh, okay. My hometown of Sanger um, uh, got it that, that designation. Um, so every year they, they take buses up there and they have a ceremony and they lay a wreath at the bottom of the General Grant tree. Okay, that's very cool. Yeah, I was trying to look up right now and see which. It was It was a long time ago that they... they a little girl in Sanger wrote to the president and said that this was like the, I'm sorry, no, she, they were up there. The, the cha- person, the, um, someone from like the city chamber of commerce was there and overheard a girl say, gosh, that would make a wonderful Christmas tree. And so as this, uh, that's the story. And so then he wrote to, they started a campaign and, and got the president to, Name it the the um, nation's Christmas tree. Okay, I like that. That's I'm cool. Sure, I'm sure some of it's true. Um, it, it probably is, you know, and and just like they have the museum in Calvin Coolidge. There you go. Oh, yeah, Calvin from Coolidge, April twenty eighth, nineteen twenty six. 
Oh, so <laughs> relatively recent. And and they say there it's the na- it's the nation's Christmas tree mm-hmm. over there. So um, they do decorate it with natural snow during the winter, but I don't think they put Christmas lights on it. <laughs> no. So so don't look for that. When like you I go. said, they they lay a, they lay a big huge wreath at the at the base of it. That's that's about as festive as they get. Yes, exactly. And and nature is more beautiful anyway. So, but um, Grant Grove has has that grove. Also, that I, like we said, that's easy hike, easy walking. There's also bigger hikes if that's something that you look at, that you would like. And they have a visitor center up there at Grants Grove where you can ask about the different hikes that they have. And they have a lot of easy ones, and then they have some more difficult ones. Also, just a more trivia, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1956, uh, Eisenhower declared the tree a national shrine, a memorial to those who died in war. And it's the only living object to be declared that. Another cool thing about the Sequoia and Kings there Canyon National Parks, yep. the largest living thing and the only living shrine in the U.S. Awesome. Um, there's another part to... I'm done now. No, no, I want you, please, because <laughs> just, just keep adding in if you find more things, because I'm telling you the stuff that I know, so anything you want to add, love it. So we talked about um, Giant Forest. And um, Sequoia, Grant Grove, and Kings Canyon. Well, Kings Canyon has another grove called the Cedar Grove. Cedar Grove is the farthest uh, one away from everybody. It takes an effort to get to it. And I only recommend going there if you're going to be in Sequoia for more than a, than a couple of days. Just because it takes a long time to get there. We've actually camped there. And the only reason I would recommend this is because you don't have to make a reservation to camp there. I think it's because it's so far away. People just don't go and it's probably like an hour from giant for, from Grants Grove to get there. But one time we camped there and we went to Hume Lake. I don't know how many times and um, Grants giant forest and Grants Grove are probably both about a little between seven to 8,000 feet high and Cedar Grove is 4,000, which is the same level as Yosemite Valley. So it's a lot warmer than the higher elevation places. And Cedar Grove is nice because they have a huge watering hole there. They have another cave there called Boyden Cave, which is a lot easier to get to and to hike in or to, for the tour. It's a lot easier than, than Crystal Cave is. And it's just, it's just cool. But when you drive through there again, you're going through, um, the chaparral and the, and the foothill type vegetation. The first time I took my kids there, they looked at it and they just looked at me with this sad look on their face and they go, really, mom, this is where you're bringing us? You know, we could have gone to the local mountains. And then once we got to Cedar Grove, they were like, oh, this is beautiful. And one of the things that happened is my daughter and her friend were there and I was, Nick and I were setting up camp and I told, I think we had just set up camp and I told the girls, go, you know, go collect firewood or something. And they took off hiking and then Kelly came back and she goes, mom, we saw the stag and two bucks. And she said they were right in front of us on the trail. And I said, well, what did you do, honey? And she said, we backed away very slowly. <laughs> I said, okay, that was a smart thing to do. Nice. <laughs> so, um, th- like I said, there's a lot of, a- you know, there's a lot of opportunities to see wildlife when you're up there. And before I get into lodging and stuff, I just want to say, um, if you're in Yosemite and you're coming from Yosemite to Disneyland, and you would like to go to Sequoia, it can be done. I've actually done this. We have spent, I think, two nights in Yosemite, 
left early in the morning the next night and we went down to Fresno. We took the 41 to Fresno, like Tom said, and then we took the 180 and we to the Kings Canyon entrance and we spent a couple of hours at Hume Lake just chilling out at the lake because by the time we left Yosemite and got there, it was probably like 11 o'clock. So we spent a couple of hours at Hume Lake, had a beautiful picnic there, went swimming, etc., Got back in the car, drove to Giant Forest. We went hiking to the General Sherman Tree because we had to go see it. And we spent the day around Giant Forest and then we got home, uh, came home. And it was a long day, but like I said, totally, do- totally doable and it was a lot of fun. Now, if you want to stay there overnight, which is what I would recommend if you're coming from Disneyland and you want to get to the Sierras. Well, let me tell you this. If you're at Disneyland and you want to see the Sierras and you're, you only have a couple of days, I almost recommend Sequoia over Yosemite because it's going to take seven hours to get to Yosemite. It's going to take five hours to get to Sequoia. So it's a much shorter drive to get to Sequoia National Park. You don't have to go and see, uh, Kings Canyon and all that. You're going to see the large, the giant trees at Sequoia. You're going to see the largest living thing in the world. You have an opportunity to visit Crystal Cave, if that's something you'd like to explore. Crescent Meadow, which I highly recommend. There's a lot to do there in Giant Forest. And if you have more time, then I'd say, heck, go ahead to Hume Lake or, or to Grants Grove and do some more exploring while you're up there and take advantage. But if you're going to spend the night, you have some options. One of them is uh, going up to Sequoia, spending the day, and then driving down to Visalia and spending the night there. Or if you want to be in prettier surroundings, I would say over in Three Rivers, they have a lot of little um, lodging that are right along the river, which is really nice. And for, to get from Three Rivers to the top of the mountain where the sequoia trees are is about an hour. So if that's something that you wouldn't mind driving, some people don't mind driving, and I'm one of them. It, that would be nothing to me to drive up just because the scenery is gorgeous. Uh, to go up and down. Other places to stay, which I recommend these more, is would be in the Sequoia National Park. You can either camp or you can stay in some lodges. If you want to camp, there are two campgrounds that I that um, I've stayed in both of them. I recommend Lodgepole Campground. Lodgepole Campground is cool because there's a stream going right through the middle of the campground, and if you time your reservations right. You can actually camp next to the stream or close enough to the stream. And if that's something you want to do, email me at maryjo at wdwinfo.com. I have a map. I, I'm actually on a, a website that helps people and people ask me questions about the campsite, campground all the time about different campsites. So I've actually explored the campground quite a bit and I can tell you the best places to, to camp. And even though I might say not say it, well, I won't say it on the on the air. I might tell you my favorite campsites too. But um, what's also cool about this campground is at the end of the campground, it's a long campground alongside, uh, spanning both. It's on both sides of the river. At the end of the campground, there's actually probably a twenty foot waterfall, and because of the drought, or especially in, by uh, by August, that water is you can swim at the base of the waterfall in the pool of water there. Now, if you're crazy and you like ice cold water, go for it. 
but um, for for cooling off and everything, it's wonderful. There's also a trail at this uh, trailhead at this campground called Tacopa Falls Trail. It's one of my fa- all-time favorite hikes. It's very easy. It's only 1.7 miles, and it I like it because it goes. You see all the different kind of terrain. You go through the forest. You see meadows. You get to the top where the the tree line where the trees stop, and it's just gra- It's just rocks, and you get to the waterfall. It's called Tacopa Falls. Now the waterfall itself is in. It's nothing fancy, and probably. By the, by August, it's probably going to be dry, but there will be water in June and July there. A lot of times we've gone there. I think every time that we've gone there, we have seen yellow-bellied marmots up there. So it's kind of cool to sit there and, and relax by the waterfall, have your picnic if you'd like to. Some people like to go up there and have a bite to eat while they're looking at the waterfall or just enjoying the scenery. Some people climb down to the river and, and, uh, go wading or with their feet because it's not deep at all and uh, you often see these yellow belly marmots we've also seen a bear on the trail and we've also seen deer on the trail so don't never hike alone this trail is pretty popular so you're pretty much going to find people but it's a beautiful trail and it's cool to see the animals there also so also at lodgepole one of the things i like about it is that they have a nice grocery store a little deli and they have showers so um you it's coin operated shower so make sure you have your coins ready because i think it's a quarter for eight minutes so those those eight minutes go by really quickly so make sure you have your quarters there they also have a visitor center at this location so to me lodgepole has everything that you would want when you're camping there's another campground called Dorst, and Dorst uh, is uh, next to a meadow, and it's a little bit flatter than Lodgepole is, and that's also a nice area. And both of them, I like them because I know that if I make a reservation, I'm going to have some place to go camping, and I don't have to worry about it. If you're not the kind of person to make reservations, then you can try your luck at uh, Sequoia National Forest or drive all the way to Cedar Grove. Now, if you're not going to go camping, and a lot of people aren't, if they're coming t- from the Disneyland area, there, excuse me, there's um, some other lodging. And in the same area as Lodgepole, you have what's called Wuxachi Lodge. And Wuxachi is a really nice resort. They have uh, rooms kind of like um, a hotel. And they also have cabins in the area that are nice to stay at. If you go to Grants Grove, where Tom and I were talking about, they have individual cabins there um, that go from nice cabins to rustic. And I once stayed in a rustic cabin thinking that I wanted to see what it was like, how they lived in the in the pioneer days. And after two nights, I thought to myself, I will never stay in one of these again. We had a kerosene lamp. And I found that you really can't read. I don't care what they showed on Little House in the Prairie where they did their homework by kerosene lamplight. <laughs> I could not read or anything with that kerosene lamplight. So I, it was a, a learned lesson. My kids thought it was cool. Um, for a one-time deal, it was okay. But I'm sticking to the regular cabins from now on or, or camping where I can take my, my lantern. So they do have those. Cedar Grove also has like a, um, a mo- two-story motel that they have there where you could stay. Now, in addition to these places, 
in the national parks, Sequoia Forest, National Forest, has a place called Montecito Lodge. And I believe they have a swimming pool over there. And it's more of a resort type of of place that they have there. You can go to the Sequoia and Kings National Park uh, accommodation site and you'll see the different places. Again, if you have questions, feel free to send me an email. I'm happy to share um, any knowledge that I have or or give ideas and or help you plan a, a trip over there. So your lodging options really are, are going to be either up on top at the two national parks, Sequoia National Forest, down below at Three Rivers. Um, they have a lot of, they have like even um, Best Western type places down there and other lodges that you could stay there. Along the Fresno side, I don't think there's there are too many lodging options on the way up to Kings Canyon. So I, I really don't recommend 180. I'd say just go stay in Fresno if you're going to do that yeah. before you go up. So um, that's basically it for Sequoia. I, I, I really love going to Sequoia. I go almost every summer. I camp there at least like three to four nights. Three nights is the minimum that I'll camp just because I love going out there and, and having my campfire and and just communing a little bit with nature and singing at lot, the top of my voice. It's a lot of, of work just to do one night. That's true. Setting up your tent and, and everything, yeah. it is a lot of work. Yeah. When, and one of the things that I said, you know, at, at Yosemite, the difference there is they have that housekeeping camp where everything's there for you. All you need to do is you can even rent your bedding from them. They have the sheets and the and the bedding. So you, you could essentially camp there. Um, and eat in, in their restaurants and stuff like that and still have the campfire where you get that experience. Whereas Sequoia is a little bit more rustic when it comes to that type of lodging. So um, one thing is Yosemite, the campsites there are more close together. It's like being in a city. Whereas in Sequoia, the camping is a little bit more isolated and you can actually find campsites where you're not right next to your neighbor. So, yeah, in that case, I I really like it. Awesome. Thank you, Mary Jo. Mm -hmm. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Disneyland shows this week. And, of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening. 